Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to Out of the Blue on this Sunday morning. Thanks for joining us. You are in the store listening to us. Um, it's Donna here and Fam is joining me in the studio and so is Matt. Um, today we are going to be playing an um, interview that we did with Heidi Taylor of Tangaroa Blue Foundation. Um, Matt, uh, Fam and I have been out with Heidi uh, last week. We were out with Heidi last week running a series of source reduction plan workshops as part of the Port Phillip Bay Bay Fund with her and we're going to be hearing all about that and a couple of other bits and pieces as well. So stay with us. You're tuned to 855 AM 3CR. Estás sintonizando 3CR 855 de tu dial AM. Each week, 3CR broadcasts over 130 programs in 25 languages supporting communities and viewpoints that you just don't hear about anywhere else. Subscribe to your award-winning multilingual community radio station, 3CR, and help keep these voices on the airwaves. Call the station on 94198377. The number is again 94198377. Welcome back to 855 AM 3CR. You're listening to Out of the Blue with Donna, Matt and Fum or you're listening to our podcast, which you can find on your podcast app. <laughs> um, we are joined in the studio or we interviewed, sorry, I should say, Heidi Taylor last week. Um, Fum, myself and Heidi ran a series of workshops for the Port Phillip Bay Fund project um, and we're gonna, we had a chat with Heidi after those workshops and we are going to play you that interview now. Hi Heidi, how are you going? Yeah, very well, Fum. How are you? Yeah, pretty good. Um, so it's good to have you with us again. I think it's been about a year since we last spoke with you. So um, I guess uh, what we'd like to know is how's things going at um, Tangaroa Blue Foundation? 
Yeah, uh, an amazing 2017 and a crazy start to 2018. Uh, we've reached a, a couple of big milestones already this year with over 10 million items being recorded now in the Australian Marine Debris Database um, and more than 100,000 people contributing. So it, it's just growing nationally. It's been an amazing 12 months, that's for sure. Do you know who put in that um, that 10 millionth record? <laughs> Do you know what organisation <laughs> it was? We could probably look back. Um, I guess that the vetting of the data means that sometimes it's a little bit delayed to be able to find out exactly who that person was. But uh, we can definitely try and look back and find that person. That would be amazing. What do they win? A whale. (laughs) (laughs) So we've had a really crazy week. Um, and it's been really fun. So can you just give us, our listeners, I guess, a bit of an overview of what those two workshops we did this week were all about? Yeah, so over the last, I guess, uh, 18 months, we've been working a series of workshops around Port Phillip Bay um, with different local government um, areas contributing to, to, I guess, looking at their data that they've been collecting through beach and, and coastal and also estuary and community cleanup efforts and seeing exactly what that data is telling them and then putting them um, together to create a small little project that would actually stop one of those items at the source. So this week we uh, we went to Dandenong and we worked with the, the Greater Dandenong Council and the community there and also the City of Frankston um, to yeah dive into the data and all the clean-up effort that's been happening through local government and community and seeing exactly what that data was telling us. Great. And what was the data telling you? What What are the key kind of litter issues that you're seeing most around Port Phillip Bay or with those two councils in particular? Were there standout items? Yeah, well, look, I think when you look at Port Phillip Bay, it's a really interesting ecosystem because it's a fairly closed system. It's not an area like in Cape York where they get a significant amount of debris coming from other countries. When you look at the environment around Port Phillip Bay, 99% of the stuff is actually coming from the catchment. So it's our local local litter issues that are, are causing the problem. So that's probably the one take-home message. If you look at the individual items that we're finding, cigarette butts are always the number one item or at least in, in the top couple of items that we're finding in most of the clean-up efforts. So I think a lot of people don't realise that they're plastic, that they might be littered because they think they're a biodegradable item, uh, and that's probably the item that we really need to be targeting. Yeah, definitely. I know in the um, National Litter Index as well, in that data set, cigarette butts are always the number one littered item. So it seems like whatever data collection program or methodology or whatever survey, it's always cigarette butts are the number one issue, definitely. Yeah, exactly right. And then as you go down the top 10 items, you start to see other litter items like you know, plastic straws, plastic shopping bags. Um, drink containers, so your plastic bottles, your beer bottles, your aluminium cans. And then a lot of places also start to see this remnant, so these microplastics. And they can be hard bits of little plastic or soft bits of little plastic. Um, They include the plastic resin pellets from the plastics industry. But it really shows um, these fragments. A lot of them are, are just the legacy of plastic that's been in our environment for a really long time. And it continues to break up into smaller and smaller pieces. Yeah, and I know that, like I know you always say, if all we ever do is clean up, then that's all we're ever going to do. And so there's that real push to stop litter at its source. But at the same time, we do still need to keep cleaning up because there is so much out there. But I think for me, the best thing about the workshops that 
you know, you run and that we helped you out with this week is that it really is looking back at the catchment and seeing what, how we can stop those littered items becoming this stuff that we just keep cleaning up day after day after day as a community. Um, and I think that's really powerful to get together with groups of people in, in these, you know, communities to help them see these issues themselves um, and see that data presented in a way that they can then um, really form a plan around. Yeah, and I think a lot of people actually feel pretty isolated. Um, you know, unless you're working with a, a group that's out there all the time, um, you might feel that what you're doing as an individual when you go out there and, and clean up every day or when you go for a walk um, might not have this uh, a major impact. But there's so many of those people and they're making a huge impact. And through the data collection and submitting it into you know, the Australian Marine Debris Database, it, it creates a voice out of all of that little effort that we can actually use then to push for change. So it's really the evidence that we, we need. And recording the data and, and making sure that that data is, is, you know, being used is almost as important as removing the item in the first place because it, it gives us that evidence to push for change. Yeah, totally. And and another benefit that I really notice in that workshop is how it connects different people. So, you know, you mentioned that a lot of people feel like they're um, sort of working in, in isolation, that they're the only person, you know, in their area who cares about the issues of litter and, and getting everybody in the room who is enthusiastic about doing something about that is uh, it was really beautiful to see how people really connected with each other and so many different organizations in the room and concerned citizens and then um, people from the sustainability and waste departments of the local council as well. Um, so it, uh, I really want to recognize that um, the networking opportunity and the sort of the community building that is taking place um, just by putting so many people in the room and having them brainstorm together uh, trying to tackle, you know, at least one item of, of litter in this problem. Um, yeah, it was. it's really good to see how, you know, people come in and they, and they don't really know anyone. Like in, in Dan, the city of Dandenong, uh, what struck me was that there were two people there who'd been cleaning up their, their own street for the past 15 years. And, uh, you know, they were people who were unknown to the sustainability team at council, for example. So it was really beautiful to see how, how they all sort of got together and, and, and made that collaboration happen. And I think that that's one of the, the outcomes that we maybe didn't recognise when we first started this project was that this mapping of all of this effort is actually really quite powerful. And it shows you how much effort is going in from all different sectors. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this whole map of Port Phillip Bay showing all the council areas and all the community effort and the council effort. Um, you know, all the different stakeholders are, are doing such great work. and We've been able to map that. And yeah, it's amazing to see that. Yeah, and just uh, to clarify for the listeners, um, the Litter Source Reduction Plan workshops that Tangaroa Blue Foundation organises uh, all across councils at Port Phillip Bay, um, the goal is to get enthusiastic community members in the room together uh, and, and brainstorm uh sort of options to tackle a particular litter uh, item at the source. So uh, people go into a brainstorm session um, and then uh, Donna helps them to project manage um, their project to really concentrate on uh, their problem and then outcomes and, and things like that in a really, really organized way. So, so it is basically in one day, 
um, out of that comes one particular project that everybody votes on uh, that will actually be then um, taken by the by the community members who want to get on board with that project and actually implemented in their area. Um, so I'm assuming that the uh, next few months are going to be quite exciting to see uh, <laughs> which projects are uh, going to get legs and uh, and perhaps grow a little bit. Um, so you've already organized uh, part of the, was it the Litter Innovation Fund? Last year, Heidi, you've done seven workshops already in different councils. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what came out of some of those? Are there any good success stories? Yeah, I think some really good success stories. Um, the communities and, and the stakeholders and the partners really embraced the project. So out of that, we've, we've actually had projects that other communities have also latched onto and, and asked you know, the, the people that ran the projects for, for some advice. So for one of them was in the city of Port Phillip where they decided to tackle plastic straws. And they got a, a series of uh, cafes to sign up to stop giving out plastic straws and give out some, a paper alternative. Um, and so that was really successful. Uh, we had um, a couple of cigarette butt projects. Uh, the city of Hobson's Bay, uh, for example, did a cigarette butt project where they um, definitely uh, engaged in, in a different type of recycling project where they, where they got some mint tins and rebranded them and used them as personal cigarette butt um, uh, bins but also linked it to the change in smoking legislation just to, to really identify um, whether smokers were aware of where they could smoke. And we think that that's one of the, the problems um, with butt litter is not knowing where you can smoke and then having the right infrastructure available. So that was a, a really interesting project as well. The City of Melbourne were looking at tackling um, coffee cups and, and getting more uh, cafes to sign up to the Responsible Cafes program to give a discount to people that bring their own coffee cups. So there were really practical on-the-ground um, solutions there that were rolled out across the bay. And what I found in the ones that I've participated in is that a lot of the groups seem to... or So when we're defining the key litter issue that the groups want to tackle, they're often similar within the deep different council areas that we go to. And I like that each of these areas have kind of picked a different thing because I feel like there's a really good diversity of projects happening that are creating like replicable projects that can then be taken to other areas that maybe there's interest in, but it wasn't picked in the workshop as the one to go forward with. So there's going to be, you know, at the end of all of these workshops, this entire series of ready-to-go projects that can be run anywhere. And that's like what we've seen with that Port Phillip example you just gave with the um, the straws because there was, was it Mornington, I Mornington think? Peninsula, yeah. yeah. Mornington wanted to do a straw project and, you know, they've already got a whole template and a whole community of people, you know, around the bay who've already done it, who can give them all their insights and feedback and, you know, posters and everything else they need to just hit the ground running and go with it, which I think and is I think amazing. Really yeah, and I think what's really important is not only to learn from the successes that these projects have, but also to learn from the challenges and things that might not have worked so well. Um, that's a really important learning as well because you don't want to be replicating things that didn't work um, and, and understand why they didn't work, but also understanding parameters such as how long did something take to do or how much did it cost or what was that really important key stakeholder that, that was vital to have um, at the table to, to make the success. So if we can share that knowledge, we don't, you know, we don't keep replicating the wheel, we don't keep making the same mistakes. And we start to build on these successes. And that's how I really think that we need to tackle litter and marine debris as a whole is 
addressing certain items at certain locations and, and building it from there, right? rather than trying to tackle this overwhelming issue of, of litter, like where do you start? Well, through this process, the litter gives you the point of where to start, and it's based on you know, particular locations and, and what, they're, what they're being impacted by. Because everywhere we go around Australia, the litter and the marine debris signature is slightly different. So that's why the, the data is so vital. Yeah, and I really like the setup of how these workshops are done, where where there is uh, a really a particular time frame in which we want to have the project finished as well. So that because you know, especially in the litosphere, there sometimes you can have a little bit of, of volunteer fatigue, you know, because there's so much to do, and and if once people are excited about the environment, they tend to, to volunteer in different projects, and and so it's what I really like about the setup of these workshops is that pretty much every workshop start out as a really bite-sized way of tackling the problem and and we you know you really make sure that it is not too much to chew for for the community members it's really um, compact it is basically a sort of a pilot program that once it works if it, if it you know if it works like for example the 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 straw project in the city of Port Phillip that it can then be either replicated in other areas like Donna said or where it can be actually built out or people can just keep going if you know if they want to um, so so I, re- I really reckon that's part of the success of, of that project as well, that, you know, you make sure that it, it stays manageable in time and energy management of the volunteers that are involved in it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with the volunteer fatigue. It's important that we um, make sure that things are achievable and they're in a time frame that it can be done. But I think that um, showing people the data that they're collecting and how they're submitting it all into one spot this um, gives extra value to that effort of someone picking something up and recording it. Uh, the more times that that piece of data can be used, gives the more value to the effort to that volunteer and they can really see the, the value in it. So data submitting submitted to the, the AMD database has been used you know, to help push for the change with the plastic bag ban. At the moment, you know, there's a lot of interest in container deposit legislation and nationally it's been used at the same level. At international levels, you know, we're looking at where debris is coming from international sources like cargo ships or on ocean currents. So that data, it just keeps getting used again and again and again. And it really gives, you know, the value to that volunteer that took the time to pick it up and record it. Who's who's using the data in Victoria at the moment? So, at, well, at a local level or through these source production plans, we're using it. Um, the data is being used to help push through the Operation Clean Sweep program, which is an industry program um, encouraging the plastics industry to reduce and stop the loss of plastic resin pellets into the environment. So those reports are being used for that framework. It's also being used at a state level for the container deposit scheme discussion and through the plastic bag um, process, through the consultation process as well. Um, We're actually doing a series of workshops in the coming months over at Warrnambool. They had a big spill um, of plastic resin pellets that were dumped through their waste um, water treatment plant. So the uh, the one on water crew over there have decided to um, to use this opportunity of community engagement and, and council engagement to set up a adopted beach program. So we're going to go over and help um, set them up and, and use all the work that's been done in Port Phillip Bay as a as a template. And also down on Phillip Island, um, you know, we did a workshop with those guys early uh, late last year and, and it's been a, an opportunity for them to look at their own data which is a little bit different to what's happening in Port Phillip Bay. What uh, what came out of that workshop? I know you mentioned it today as well but uh, it sounded really interesting somewhere with something with uh, the boomerang bags? 
Uh, yeah, so there's a, um, there is a, a really active boomerang bags uh, team down on, on um, Phillip Island and they've actually made a series of bags. So they have the, the free reusable bags, but they've also made um, some bags that people can buy as souvenirs that have Phillip Island written on them. So tourists that come into town who may not have bought their reusable bags with them can actually buy one um, and use that while they're there, but also take it home as a souvenir. So Yeah, and I really love that. And I really love mm. that because that is that is really, you know, really t- that program is really tailored to to where they are because usually you know boomerang bags are there for the community where they can borrow them but you know obviously being a boomerang bag it has to come back to where it started so I really love how they've taken a concept that's already quite established and just expanded it to include tourists and make new opportunities in that sense for people to take stuff home and taking boomerang yeah, bags to, to wherever the they're from is really really important because if people borrow those bags and they go away, then you lose them out of that, that return scheme. Um, but by providing them an opportunity to, you know, still use the bags and purchase them, um, it, it kicks a bit of money in for the group to continue making bags uh, to replace the ones that, that lose or come out of that system. So a, a really good project down there. Uh, the other thing that the what happened in Phillip Island last year was they had a big spill uh, arrive on the beach of these biofilters that they think were coming... Um, perhaps from the wastewater treatment plant down there. Uh, we got the EPA to help us with some ocean modelling and it actually looks like it was an ocean-sourced uh, dump or loss. Uh, so we were able to, to give some uh, information back to the community on uh, the investigation that happened from those those biofilters um, which were reported and, and all the data was collected. So that was really great too. Yeah, fantastic. One of the other things that I've really liked about the workshops as well is that things like boomerang bags and that Cora ball that you mentioned today that you put in your washing machine, like a lot of people who come to these are so engaged or come to the workshops, are really engaged in litter and what's, you know, going, have so much local knowledge about what's going on. But there's, I feel like they all learn something and I know I do like learn new things that they can get involved in or potentially add into their projects to enhance them as well. And I know like boomerang bags was definitely one that came up this week that people had never heard of and thought it was a great idea. Um, and then, yeah, for me this week, I think my big thing was that Cora ball cause I'd never heard of that. And it's something I've been working or microplastics and microfibers is something I've been working on at work. But um, yeah, it's such a simple solution that people can get on board with that helps deal with a really big issue that's affecting our Port Phillip Bay beaches and ocean marine systems around the world too. Yeah. So that's the Cora yeah. ball uh, for the, uh, that catches the microfibers that wash off your clothes in your washing machine. And those microfibers are microscopically small, um, but they pollute the ocean in, in extremely great numbers and we can now actually trace them all the way back into our diet including in bottled water um, so there was a piece of news that came out a piece of research that came out uh, last week that um, says that about 90 percent of bottled water that you buy at the supermarket or wherever uh, is contaminated with uh, an average of 300 plastic microfibers in it uh, which is more than what comes out of the tap yeah donna is pulling a face at me it's going crazy. like what <laughs> but yeah <laughs> that's 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 where we are right now. So it is, is these kind of really simple inventions that um, we're going to depend on probably for our health. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and that's why I love what I, I love doing these workshops myself because I, I learn a lot as well from the communities in, in their projects and how they roll them out. 
And it's great to be able to say when, when somebody comes up with a, a barrier or they're not quite sure um, how to move forward on a project, to be able to draw on all of these other projects that, I, that I've heard about and experiences from around the world to, to try and provide some um, possible solutions. And the core ball and the research on the microfibers was one of the things that um, was discussed really heavily at the International Marine Debris Conference that was held in San Diego um, last week, which I was able to attend and, and present at. Um, and it was just great to hear about all of these solutions and the research happening internationally on this issue. It's definitely something that has, um, has got a lot more traction uh, than when we first started this program back in 2004. And it's not going away, it seems like, either. So, like, plastic pollution just generally is increasing, but the upside of that is that people's awareness of it is also increasing, probably at the same rate that it's increasing, which is amazing, and people are becoming more and more aware of um, plastic pollution, both, you know, or plastic use, you know, they're becoming aware that um, a lot of the stuff we consume is packaged you know in such a way that is you know completely unsustainable and you know there's just so much that people are realizing and coming to terms with now that I think there's great potential for change at the moment there's a real momentum and a shift I I can see it happening as well and especially when you know we go to these workshops too you can see that people genuinely care and are ready to make change yeah, that's totally true. Because uh, a number of years ago, when we when we first started, you know, campaigning uh, with ner- about noodles, so plastic resin pellets from factories, people had no idea what they were. Hmm. Um, but then, you know, you start going around talking to people, bringing a little glass jar full of the things with you, and <laughs> Donna's actually got some. In got my some, handbag. <laughs> she's, got some, she's got some right here in, in a little suspicious baggie. <laughs> And, uh, <laughs> and you start lugging that around and, and, and speaking with people. And now, at least in the, you know, sort of the circles that we move in, there is, it's very rare to find people who absolutely have never heard of noodles before, especially when they do beach cleanups, f- for example, with Beach Patrol or, or any of the other more organized community organizations that deal with litter around the bay. And three, four years ago, you know, that was, nobody had heard of them. So there's definitely a shift there. Heidi, we're getting the wind up for time. Is there any final comments or um, anything, final words you want to share with our listeners about Tangaroa Blue or the Australian Marine Debris Initiative or any upcoming workshops or how you'd love to see people take action on plastic pollution and marine debris? Oh, absolutely. So um, first of all, I want to thank both you girls for helping me out at these workshops. It's been amazing to have such a good support team around us. So thank you so much, Donna and Farm, for helping us. Also, I want to thank all the councils and, of course, Port Phillip Bay Fund for funding them. Like, this is a a collaborative partnership from the organisation right down to the project. So um, well done. We'll have another round of workshops happening in September, and we're going to go back to the initial seven councils that we worked with last year to see how their projects are running so there'll be some great updates um, happening then and just for everybody else that's out there that's keen to get involved um, you don't have to submit data through uh, an organized cleanup if you if you walk your beach every day and you collect stuff while you're there that you can definitely input that kind of data and it's not just beaches it's creeks and rivers and parks and stormwater drains and all that kind of stuff as well so get on the Tangaroa Blue um, website have a look at the resources um, we're going to have an app launched in, in two months' time, so you'll be able to submit data through your smartphone. 
Um, every single little bit of data that gets collected and submitted is, is how we push for change, and it's so vital. So we thank everybody that's been involved and all our supporters, and you know, we're definitely getting movement and change, so keep up the push. This, now's the time to, to really get involved. Fantastic. Thank you so much for that, Haiti, and keep up the good work. So just for our listeners, uh, keep an eye on the Tangaroa Blue Foundation website and their Facebook page as well, because we will be posting the exact dates and locations of the new series uh, of uh, source reduction plan workshops in September. Uh, we're not exactly sure yet when it will be up, but uh, yeah, just uh, subscribe to their newsletter as well, because it will be advertised there as well. There will be seven uh, councils where this will be happening. So if you are in the neighborhood or you live in one of those councils please do sign up because we could really use your brain power in the room cool. so wrapping up you've been listening to out of the blue on 855 am 3cr one final plug we have our radiothon fundraiser coming up on the 23rd of may at yes! highland bar <laughs> so it's going to be another trivia night which is always a bit of fun we've got a new quiz master this year who's just as exciting and as energetic as our previous we have night. games we have fish puns we have it Prizes. all yeah <laughs> there's everything so check out out of the blue trivia 2018.eventbrite.com for details and to buy tickets and we hope to see lots of you there um and that's all we've got time for sally's up next with out of the pan thanks for listening You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.